Magic Mike Show, where you hear the experts speak. The Magic Mike Show. Tune into the show every week. The Magic Mike Show. You can trust the show is the bomb because it's being brought to you by RacingDudes.com. What's up, everybody? I'm Magic. And I'm Mike. And this is the Magic Mike Show, episode 529. Mr. Samich. Oh, Risen Stars. Oh baby, this is uh, this is gonna be a good one. I'm excited. The uh, the Risen Star Stakes, the first 50 point prep of the Kentucky Derby prep race season in last year, uh, a huge, a, a hugely, a very impactful. I should run for president. A very impactful race uh, this year, shaping up like it as well, especially with all the turmoil and, and the inconsistencies we've seen everywhere else. We have the most consistent horse in the entire crop in the Risen Star, and he he could very well lose. So it's that big of a race. I'm excited, buddy. Yeah, I mean, uh, really tough sequence. You got to figure out where you want to go short uh, and where you want to take some chances. That the Risen Star specifically, just a phenomenal race. You, you mentioned Track Phantom, who's been the most consistent horse, seven to two on the morning line. Uh, deserves to be every bit of the seven to two. Like it, it is a tough, tough sequence. And that last race specifically, I think, is very, very interesting from a, a price perspective. Just who you want to use, who you don't want to use, and we're still waiting for someone to step forward, right? I mean, Nisos looks like the best three-year-old in the country, but will not be running in the Kentucky Derby. Uh, we had a lot of horses falter last time we had a major prep weekend. It'll be interesting to see what happens here in the Risen Star. And, and this fairground circuit has gotten better and better over the last three or four years. So I, I used to mock it pretty openly, and uh, <laughs> I have stopped mocking it pretty openly. Don't th- One of the few days I play fairgrounds, to be fair, but this, specifically these three-year-old races have been producing major horses in the Triple Crown Trail. Uh, I would play fairgrounds uh, right before the show started, actually. Uh I need to get a jersey. Like I've been, I don't have a Dodgers jersey. One of the few uh, LA teams I don't have a jersey for yet, and uh, actually the technically the only one. Um, but I need to get a Dodgers jersey. I've been back and forth about who to get. After his performance today and how I keep cashing with him, I'm getting a Koufax jersey, man. He won race seven at Fairgrounds uh, Gate to Wire. Love that horse. Uh, big, beautiful, great gelding. And he was nine to five as they were loading and. He won it 5-2. I'm not going to get any luckier than that today, but luckily we're covering a Saturday sequence, so I don't have to worry about that just you know, completely screwing up my luck for this sequence. Yeah, Koufax, cool horse, man. Like It started out on the West Coast, and now he's all over the place after getting claimed, and so it's fun to see him run uh, all over the, the country. And it's interesting with West Coast racing struggling where you're seeing some of these horses and trainers show up now as well. So it's, it's been fun to see Koufax during his East Coast stint here. Uh, he's, he's a lot of fun. Since Tom Amos got him and, and Maggie Moss, they've been running him all over the place in uh, you know, the Kentucky circuit, the Louisiana circuit. He went from Delta Downs, where I cashed on him last time, to Fairgrounds, which is it decidedly a step up and still ended up with. The horse loves to fight. You know, I keep making jokes about he's uh, threw, pitched another no-hitter in that race because he goes late <laughs> to wire. Uh, didn't get, you know, he had like an immaculate inning kind of thing going on today too. So lots of baseball references, but it's a, a horse racing show. We've got the fairgrounds late pick five Saturday, February 17th, all stakes, four of them graded Kentucky Derby, Kentucky Oaks races, prep races that are both very critical. Let's get into it, buddy. You ready? Let's do it. Rise up. Am 
my kicking things off for the first leg of the Olympic Five Saturday, February 17th. Race 10 is the Al Stahl Memorial Stakes for 13 older fillies and mares. Rowdy and Bound 16th on the turf. And Michael Olsen asking, should he be spreading a lot in the first leg? Because he really likes the five. Spirit and Glory is your 3-1 to one favorite. After that, there's a lot he can use. Where are you going on top? Well, uh, I'm not going with the five. It's interesting. It, the fairgrounds days, they, you seem like it's kind of like playing pool where you finish a game and then they just re-rack them and break again. Like we got a lot of the horses <laughs> yeah. we covered last time that are all in these exact races. Um, and I'm yep. going to go with a horse that I didn't use last time, that you did use last time, and that I am using here, and you are not using here on top. Give me the seven fancy martini on top in this spot. Uh, a lot of this is just built off the trip trouble. I think that the eight to one morning line price is nice. If you go back and you you watch uh, the previous race, uh, it was over fairgrounds. Milo sixteenth, Creative Cairo won that race. Joined the dance, who's back again today, ran second, going the exact same distance. But when I watched that trip, I thought Fancy or Fancy Martini ran really well first off a long layoff, first time in the Diodoro Barn. Now we're getting second off the layoff, dropping a couple pounds, uh, getting Gaffleone aboard. I think with a better trip, this horse has every chance to win. I'd expect you're going to still see some improvement off what we saw in the four-year-old season. Uh, we're switching over to the Diodoro Barn, and if we can improve off those numbers and second off the layoff, I think Fancy Martini has a good shot as anybody here at a nice price of 8-1. to one. It is a nice price. I like that. No, no shot to Jimmy Graham, but you're getting Tyler Gaffleone to ride this time. And she did have traffic trouble in that race, but... She just, ah, I, I got burned so badly by how she ran in that spot. And, like, she didn't, like, I know she had the traffic trouble, but she didn't overcome it. And she just, like, completely quit out there. And this is a much bigger field. It was eight horses entered that, or that ran that day. There's 13 entered here. She's going to have to come from at least mid-pack. Maybe TGAF can get her up there. But uh, first out for Diodoro is when I wanted to play her off the $80,000 claim. And, and I'm going to pass on her here. But I understand why you're using the seven uh yeah ed burke says he's starting off with a single a fancy martini there that is a that is a ballsy single here because it's it, she's not even the third price on here yeah she's fourth choice here at eight to one so i don't hate it uh ed i love the balls to single it you got you got bigger balls than i do my friend i'm gonna go with the five spirit and glory on top uh, it's fair, man. And one of the things that I do like about Fancy Martini is they ran right back into this race. We're not going back yes. to claimers. It's it's showing confidence in the horse second off, and, and especially after a claim and a horse that was claimed three times in the previous five races. I think it's a good sign that we are protecting her and going back into stakes coming here. Uh, I agree with you on the five. Five was my second choice here, Spirit and Glory, uh, Falcon and Pratt. We just talked about California horses flying in everywhere and, and running. Uh, I don't know if we can call this one a California horse. Did win the yellow or ran second in the yellow ribbon to closing remarks last time out at Del Mar but did a nice little east coast stint prior to that uh just a horse that fits i mean that's that's really the easiest way to say it in this spot i'll let you talk about uh about spirit and glory since she's your top pick yeah i saw there's a lot of speed in here and, and kevin o brings up so many closers here that's kind of where i went i was looking for horses that were going to be coming from off the pace with a really strong kick hopefully and so yeah spirit and glory is one of those uh two back uh, you know the super paceless race when you see 25 for that opening fraction and you go well, I've got a, a 25 and two, and I've got a closer. That's probably not going to be good in a six-horse field. So, uh, yeah, not, didn't work out for her that day. But I'm going to go with Spirit and Glory to come from off the pace. Gets Pratt aboard, like we talked about. The layoff at the price is a little bit of a concern because we haven't seen her since Yellow Ribbon. And by the way, the winner that day was a next-out winner, so also good. But that North American debut and a Belmont allowance off a five-month layoff in 2022 was no issue. And since that race, 10 straight starts, all stakes are graded stakes. So she's bringing a ton of class in here. Um, 
Diodoro and his father are both, co or, sorry, Diodoro, I'm <laughs> a different word, Falcone and his father are both uh, co-owners in this horse as well. So I, I appreciate that the, the, the father-son team there, or the son trains it, they're spotting this horse in stakes races and saying, well, we, got, we could go do an easy allowance here or go to Ellis or go to Indiana or, you know, wherever. No, we're going to keep running in stakes races. So, yeah, we, that was my topic here. Uh, you, you, we each went three deep. We each agreed on my second choice. So let's talk about the number three. Creative Cairo, 7-2 choice here. Uh, had away from winning two straight stakes over this course and distance. And best two career efforts in both times. I know sometimes we poop on him. Florent Giroux in the saddle both times. He seems to fit this horse really well, so I'm going to use her. Uh, yeah, he does. And, and she seems to like the track quite a bit, too. Ran a really good fourth, uh, back, three back over this fairgrounds course as well, mile and 16th before jumping up into Stakes Company. Uh, she was the favorite that day. Uh, kind of had a little bit of trip trouble early, was pushed way further back than she likes to be. We came running late, but could only get up to fourth. The last two, I thought, were both very good efforts over this course and this distance. Makes a ton of sense, especially with the speed um, that it is signed up here, that you have a horse that can come from off of it. Creative Cairo has proven that she can do that well, with these last two. And she's just in form right now um and all of those just kind of point toward a horse that you would expect is going to run back to one of those previous two numbers and to me you know the seven is kind of that up and coming price shot that you take the five is the horse that's coming in that we don't necessarily know against this group and the three is the one that's beaten a bunch of them so uh three five seven for me pretty open and shut case here although i, I did look at the eight from a speed perspective i know you went a different direction though but uh talk about watch this birdies your third horse yeah, kind of similar to the fancy martini in the sense that I was looking for a horse to kind of be mid-pack to closing and, and get a bit of a price on it. They're both 8-1. to one. This is actually where Jimmy Graham is going to end up after riding fancy martini last style. But uh, Nacho Correas is a trainer. Uh, his stats are pretty darn good. He's 23% at fairgrounds in the last year. Um, this horse, six starts, turf routing, three wins, a second, two-thirds, always competitive in those races and her last two races she was three to one and five to two so now she's eight to one it is a step up in class four uh and it's crazy that it's an arkansas bread in a fairgrounds turf stakes but that you know them's the breaks we had a an iowa bread when the tampa bay or when the sam f davis stakes last week so anything's sometimes, possible sometimes yeah exactly anything's <laughs> possible with these wacky ass tracks like this but uh it for second time facing stakes company last uh last out the pago hop she was right there. She was a head away from second. So, you know, two lengths off of the, the winner, Tufani, who is not in this spot. But I think the mile in the 16th is a good spot for a good distance for her as well. I do wish Sheminod was riding her. I really like Sheminod in general. And I, I wish he was a boarder because all of those wins turf routing came with Sheminod, Graham. Two rides, two thirds, but third isn't going to help me cash a pick five. No, it won't. You need to win the race. Um, did you Did you look at the eight at all not so close i know we got a couple people in here talking about uh talking about not so close and, and specifically his ability to go gate to wire here i think sunatra probably tries to throw a wrench in that plan there's a couple other horses that have less speed but still have some speed here do, do you think there's a chance not so close close gets loose i don't because i think being in post eight you've got the four who likes to be forwardly placed and is drawn much more to the inside there. If you get a couple scratches, I, I'm not even so much worried about the 12 Sunatra, um, even though she's also a super poorly placed, but I'm worried about the four kind of screwing things up and preventing the eight from getting that inside position. I don't want, if I'm betting the eight, I don't want her too wide, uh, potentially with a third horse on her outside there through the first turn. So the four is really kind of what, what scared me off of her a little bit as well. 
And the other horse someone mentioned here, uh, girl named Charlie. The other for mm -hmm. Lindsay Schulson here. We're both using the three, uh, who is I would say the favorite of the two. Uh, are did you look at the eleven girl named Charlie at all? It was a perfect three for three over the course. I did. This, this is my uh, next horse up, I guess you would say. I didn't didn't use her, but um, we did. We have, so we have the Risen Star Stakes Betting Bible that's coming out uh, probably be available on Friday morning if you're listening to this and. Uh, I submit the top, we all submit top fours. Girl Named Charlie is my fourth pick. I really thought that that long layoff, leaving the Amos Barn, which just talked about with Koufax, how much I love that. Uh, it's, it's hard to leave the Amos Barn and if you're doing well um, or to even take a step forward. And she took a little bit of a class drop and did very well here. I'm not worried about post 11 if she likes to be a little more forwardly placed. I just think this is too much of a class test for her. I understand why she's here, but I think this is just a little bit too much of a class test for her. Yeah, I mean the price is right. Obviously, getting twenty to yes. one, I think I think you'll get every bit of that twenty to one when they do break from the gate. She would need to run a career best effort, but you could make mm -hmm. a case here. Second as a four year old, she's got it in the tank. So there's, you know, this is one of the races where I would probably recommend spreading unless you really have a big opinion on someone like Fancy Martini because I do think this is one of the more price likely races. Um, but I, yeah, I mean to me the, you know, I I'm not a huge fan of Watch This Birdie. I considered it, but I, I wasn't a huge fan of her. I, I think you could go as far as like five seven three eight eleven possibly even the 10 if you wanted to get a little creative um from just, just and really try and come up with a big time price she be curtis manlin says she beat chop chop last year in a stakes race that's a lot of horses yeah <laughs> so, a lot of people beat chop chop yeah uh also almost playing the angle of like you know knowing people that you like one of my son colson's uh many and numerous and growing in in number a little worried about that and many girlfriends that he has right now is a girl named charlie is one of his best friends so i was thinking like that man like if girl named charlie i might have to throw a couple bucks on her to win just in case like <laughs> something crazy happens i will be pissed if i get knocked out of this by girl named charlie and, and colson when he grows up and understands what happened he'll never forgive me no, no. Are you going to watch the race with him? Uh, let's see. Saturday. No, he's going to be busy somewhere else. No, oh, biscuits. All right. Actually, you know what? Maybe I will. But after that, after this race for the late pick four, we will be live Saturday afternoon. So right here on the YouTube channel, at least be Aaron and I. Not sure who else might show up for that. But uh, yeah, we will be live for that one just to let you know. So yeah. I know. I know. Anyways, let's move on. Second leg of the late pick five at Fairgrounds on Saturday, February 17th. Race 11. It's the grade three mineshaft stakes. We've got a field of nine older males going a mile in a 16th on the dirt. Where'd you go on top, buddy? Give me the three horse here. Best actor. Horse, I think, makes a ton of sense. Uh, we saw, you know, in the previous iteration, Louisiana, I guess the, the kind of the prep for this Saudi crown go gate to wire for Brad Cox. I think best actor has a very good shot of doing the exact same thing. Horse took some nice strides forward in the four year old season, uh, including back to back wins in uh, high level allowances at both Backwaduck and then Churchill. Seems like a logical spot for Cox to start the campaign here. And, and when I went through a big part of it for me was not really sure who's going to press best actor on the top this was as close as i got to a single in the sequence same with everything that you said there i, I didn't end up singling because i'm actually i'm a little worried about the mile and 16th different distance i know he won the grade three smarty jones as a three-year-old going this far but he does like if you look at his best efforts last year as a four-year-old one turn mile at churchill one turn mile at backwaduct he went two turns at Allison and ungraded stakes as the six to five favorite and couldn't beat big blue line or seize the night. I'm just, I'm a little worried about that, about the distance possibly getting to him. And so 
With that in mind, I went with the horse in this field that I know for a fact, no matter where he breaks, how far back he gets, Red Route One's ass is gonna come charging hard down that stretch. And boy, if, if Best Actor gets a little leg weary, I could see Red Route One getting right past him right before the wire. So I went three one in this spot. Yeah, I, I ended up going too deep too. I took a little bit more of a price. Give me the six WHNL here. Old fan of the show or old show favorite, I should say. I feel like we talked about this horse a ton last year for one reason or another. Uh, but WHNL here, second off the layoff. And I, I kind of like the mile um, in a 16th distance for him. We've, we've seen him run, struggle the two times he's run a mile in 16th, but be successful going a mile in an eight. So I don't have any issues with the distance. The question is, can he, is he going to be able to cut back successfully? To me, what's really interesting about this horse, so first off, we're getting second out in the four-year-old, or first out in the four-year-old season, second off the layoff. Uh, Gargan, 25%, second off the layoff. Saez takes them out back after a disappointing Harlan's Holiday. They had dreams of Pegasus for this horse. Um, and when they ran him in the Highlands Holiday, he wasn't able to run quite as well as he probably would have looked like. So they ended up here instead of in the Pegasus. And this is a horse that has tactical speed when needed, um, is able to close when needed. And so I like that the versatility here from, from WHNL I think this is probably the horse that's chasing best actor. Gasoline and, and WHNL will be the two. And if we can get first run, I then hold off a horse like like Red Route 1. Red Route 1 was actually third on for me. And then Smile Happy would have been fourth if I decided to go deeper here. But I, I just got through here with 3-6. I'm hoping we can get a little bit of a price with the 6 home. This is one of those kind of boulevard of broken dreams for the, the geriatric division, the older horse division here. Um, boy, this one... God, there's so many horses where I'm like, well, you could make a case like WNL. I looked at it. I was like, oh, you could make a case for it. Uh, I keep thinking the mineshaft was a mile and an eighth. I know that's the the Louisiana Derby undercard main race. That one will be a mile and an eighth. And I wish that was what this one was as well, because I think I'd like him better. Uh, but then you have a horse like Smile Happy. Is Smile Happy going to be okay? He was five to two in the grade three Louisiana and sucked. Well, now you're getting a price on a McPeak horse. Like maybe this is when he decides to get his shit together. Happy American, if he wins this, we'll both be very pissed. This horse hasn't won in uh, over a year. It was the 2023 Louisiana Stakes, and then Mineshaft was absolutely terrible. The New Orleans, that's the mile in the eighth race, absolutely terrible. Hasn't been close to winning since. Gasoline, he's a curlin by Pletcher, but, I mean, you definitely want WNL out of the Harlan's Holiday instead of Gasoline, right? So that's this is kind of a mess outside of those three horses that we're using between the two of us. Yeah, and you can you can tell by the odds board, right? Every single horse under ten to one, except for Hayes Strike, your favorite at three to one and best actor. Gasoline second choice at four to one there. And yeah, you can the interesting part about this group is you can point to a specific race from almost every single horse here and be like, if it runs back to that race, <laughs> yeah. it can win. And that makes it really hard to handicap because you're like, well, they're all not going to run back to that race. It's going to be a select few who do that. I mean, Smile Happy has a monster, multiple monster races on the page. I mean, if he runs back to the Ali Shiva, they're running for second. Um, and the same thing with like gasoline. If he runs back to that $100,000 N3X allowance, they're running for second. I'm just not sure either of them can do it. Um, and so I, I went with horses. I, I think WHNL has the biggest upside here just because of the second off the layoff and the chance to take a nice step forward after what we saw was a pretty good three-year-old campaign there. Uh, I did see Chris Manlin said that Happy American basically ran the same race as Red Route 1 last out. I will respectfully disagree with you. Uh, Louisiana was just a six-horse field, and you had Saudi Crown, who was an absolute speed demon. Uh, you expected to win. I expected to win Gator. I know you were trying to beat him there, but um, Red Route 1 was a lot closer than he usually is. Like Red Route 1 being third four lengths off in a six-horse field early, that's not where he's more comfortable. Happy American 
came from last and, and was within half a length of second where Red Route 1 finished. But I would contend because of his kick, if Red Route 1 is farther back behind the horses, he's a lot more likely to keep running and get going. I mean, he he never saw Saudi Crown, really, because that horse was so far gone. So in Red Route 1's mind, he passed everybody he needed to pass, which was just one horse. So, uh, What do you think? Where do you think Red Route 1 is today? Or Saturday, I should say. Do you think he's he's more in his normal spot where he's you know eight lengths ten lengths off the lead or are we going to see some more speed in him as that was a, a specifically a training job by Asperson to say okay you know we, we went all of last year with this horse trying to close from deep and pick up the pieces and we saw two back 47 half he's only five lengths off last time out 47 half just three lengths off is this going to be the new red route one I think he's going to battle with uh probably with happy America happy America will probably be last I think Red Route 1 and Money Supply will be battling for second to last <laughs> going into that first turn. <laughs> I, I think we're going to see more speed out of Red Route 1 again. Okay. I, I, I think this is, I think Asmussen decided the way to win with this horse was not to be a million lengths back, especially as you get into these older fields. And like, yeah, a lot of times you have lone speed or you have a horse that is going to be speed that is going to be your favorite, like we do today with Best or Saturday with Best Actor. I think he wants to be a little close to the pace. So I'll, I'm, I am going to go out and on a limb and project Red Route 1 going to be like, Fourth, five lengths off, six lengths off, something like that. It might be, you know what, I think for him, it's not even so much the position. Just get him several lengths off so he can really just gear up and go down that big fairground stretch. Don't you want don't him outside? Him out too quickly. Don't you want him outside too? Yes. Like yeah. he was he was inside in that last race of fairgrounds. And obviously drawing the one, you if he does show speed, probably gonna be inside again. But he's one of those horses <laughs> where I want, I, yeah, I want it. I want him to save all the ground around the turns, but you got to tip out in the lane and just try and go buy horses on the outside versus weaving through traffic. I'm sure, Joel will do the right thing. Uh, I love Joel. Third leg of the late pick five at Fairgrounds. I'm going to love him in a couple races at Fairgrounds. It's race twelve, the Fairgrounds Stakes. I hate when tracks name their races after themselves. It's so stupid and boring. But I'd rather this be the Horse Racing Nation Stakes, and I hate Horse Racing Nation too. Anyways, field of twelve older males routing a mile and an eighth on the turf. This one, you got a couple of, you talked about uh, in the last turf race, they just kind of, it's like playing pool, you just re-rack. Beatbox, strong quality, one, two, last out. Now strong quality is going to be the favorite over beatbox here. So where are you going on top? Not strong quality. I was kind of surprised the horse was favored, um, especially with like, <laughs> mile and a 16th was about all strong quality wanted last time out. Beatbox was trying to go by. Now we're going a mile and an eighth. So you had that extra 16th of a mile. I think it's going to be tough for strong quality to be able to stay on and, and go gate to wire. Um, we've seen the horse go over a mile and a 16th twice. Both of those were a mile and a quarter, both times quit badly. So uh, I, I think I'm surprised strong quality is a favorite here. I think this is a one that you try and take a shot against. Give me the two horse chasing the crown here. Mike Maker, Love, uh, Loveberry up in the irons. It's a horse that debuted last time out uh, in the for the five-year-old season at a $50,000 optional allowance here at Fairgrounds going a mile. I thought in that race was really good. Um, kind of saved ground, then split, was able to get up under Joel Rosario. I expect kind of a similar trip here, um, and we're going second off a layoff, something Maker 17% for, like the price at 8-1. to one. This horse is just wildly competitive. Ten races, three wins, three seconds, three thirds. Only time he didn't finish the top three was his debut where he ran fourth and lost by a length. So the horse loves to run. Um, I, I expect it's going to be right there at the end, and I like the 8-1 to one price. Second up for me, but I agree with everything you said. One thing I'll add, uh, earlier last year, cross second, got disqualified to third, but was second beaten less than a length by Easter. And Easter, I know he's a California horse now, 
but is dominating the shit out of the horses in California yep. right now. So, uh, yeah. By the way, when he when he finished fourth, he, not only did he lose by a length, he missed third by a neck. So he was that close to being ten for ten in the money all on turf. So well, love I, him. Go ahead. What, what I like too, like that you mentioned that Easter race. So that race, we're sitting forty-seven half. We're sitting three lengths off uh, the lead in second. Then the next race is Saratoga forty-seven half, sitting ten lengths. I'm sorry, seven lengths off off the lead in tenth. Both of those just missed to Whisper Not in Easter. Two very good horses. Like so, it, it the two different styles. Being able to to close if you need to, having some tactical speed. I think that that pays some pretty big dividends here in this spot. Uh, my top pick, and I know you're using as well, is the ten beatbox seven to two morning line, and it might you know, go off favorite here. I'm with you. I think strong quality. If this was another mile in the sixteenth race, you could go. All right, yeah, he should be favored, but we're both trying to beat him in this spot. At all four last four tour starts for beatbox all very competitive three straight seconds here going slightly shorter i'm hoping that the stretch out helps him but if you watch the the basically the far turn through the stretch run of that last race uh where strong quality beat beatbox strong quality came off the turn and went six wide and then it forced beatbox who was starting to make a move to go eight wide and then he kept going out like this and i'm like if if strong quality runs straight beatbox blows by him i'm convinced from watching that replay so that's why i made it my top pick i'm sure that's also why you're using him here yeah it just th- that was a weird race I, th- I thought he ran very very well i, I kind of surprised he didn't take a longer look at that one either um but just missed at the end there the added distance should be a positive for this horse uh never or never gone the distance but it seems to be well, it's close going the mile and 16th and a mile consistently so i don't have any issue especially pioneer the denial out of distorted humor mare uh rosario shows up on this one the, the rosario was on the two last time and chose to be on the 10 my biggest issue here is the post um and the fact that this horse just doesn't like to win that much. Uh, I, I really <laughs> five for sixteen lifetime is very good. Oh, one for their last seven is not so good. Uh, and that race was on synthetic. If you go to the last five turf races, the horses run really well in four of the five, but not won any of those races. And so that that was my one big concern with beatbox, especially <laughs> with that. You watch that last race and like fairgrounds is like the land of the hangers it feels like over the years and beatbox just added his list to just another hanger at fairgrounds in that last race so <laughs> a little concern about beatbox and being able to get by if, if need to other horse i'm going to use right to the outside we're both using here gigante for steve ashmussen morales aboard uh this is another one where i think if the trip just works out perfectly should be able to have a big closing kick should have enough pace to run into the mile and eighth again i think a positive here not this time who's become a super sire uh is the the son or father of this horse empire maker on the bottom side so again bred to love the distance tried it once ran okay in that one spot um but that was against three next out winners so it's Seems like you're going to get a softer spot here than what we saw there. They also went pretty quick, and it's set up for integration. And we all saw how well integration ran next time out. Um, so it, to me, this is a, a horse that fits with the level, and you're getting a nice price because of what you've seen on the page. Man, I, I got to hold out, like readjust and pull my hat down tighter. You're using a Steve Asmussen turf horse, Mike. What is what is going on here? No, I'm with you too. We we, we agreed. We had full, full agreement here in this this race where we went. Uh, that with the two, the ten, and the eleven, in, in slightly different order, but still two, ten, eleven, is where we're going. Uh, previous to that mile and eighth race, he won the Grade Two Secretariat at Colonial Downs, beat Nazarok and Silvernot, two horses that at three, very you know solid for that race. They were very good. Um, we're not getting twenty-two to one like he was that day, but um, yeah, this will be. He's a two-time two. He's won two straight, including an off-turf uh, dirt stakes at, at Churchill Downs, two back there. Um, 
I want to go to Rob N brought up a couple of horses. One I'd considered was the four rising empire. Rob says horse for course and he has done well at fairgrounds, but I had trouble figuring out. I know he won from a mile and an eighth from off the pace, but it seems like his better racers are when he's more forwardly placed and his last two specifically both here at fairgrounds, a horse that's supposed to be horse for course wasn't anywhere within the vicinity of winning either of those races. Yeah, the last race I'm willing to kind of give a pass. Uh, the break was just bad and then was wide the entire race because of it. So I, I'm willing to give Rising Empire a little bit of a pass. I love the fact that Size jumps aboard. The price is right at 12 to 1 here. Size rides back off that, that bad break. I think if, if Rising Empire breaks better, I think that this is, you know, you got a legit shot here. Also likes the distance, three times the distance, one win, one second, six times at the course, two wins, two seconds, one third. So all of those stats fit, especially at the price. And again, like if you point back to uh, the grade two, what was that? Munez uh, Memorial Cup that, uh, that this horse ran over this course at this distance, that just lost a spooky channel that day. That was a good enough race to beat this field. So there is a race back on the page that you can point to with this horse. The key here is where is this, where's Rising Empire going to be? Right. I mean, like, because I if I want if I'm betting Rising Empire, I want Rising Empire in the pocket, a length behind strong quality. And then I want to tip out and see if I can go by strong quality and hold everybody else off. Sai is usually an aggressive rider, so wouldn't be shocked if that's what we end up with here. But the early positioning for Rising Empire, I think, is the biggest key for that horse in this race. Absolutely agree on that. And I did. I have him ranked fifth. I, at one point, he actually was going to be on this ticket. And then I ended up having to pare down because of the later races. Uh, and then Rob also brings up the eight camp hope first time gelding. Kenny McPeak at a bit of a price with Hernandez riding. Uh, but he's had some, you know, decent works leading up to this one. But he does have a 195 day layoff. And again, I don't, this is a horse that his last few times that he's tried stakes company on turf it really actually the four times five times like the last five times he's tried it it hasn't gone well for him so maybe mm -hmm. gelding will help him he's gonna be more aerodynamic but i just couldn't pull the trigger on him yeah i think one key if you're a camp hope fan is the fact that all those stakes races were lasix free stakes races and now you get to add lasix in and if you, you just take the, the lasix races for camp hope it's a different horse than what we saw in the now all those races are not stakes races but all the numbers are higher from both a buyer and time form perspective in those Lasix races. So to me, if I'm if I'm a Camp Hope backer, I'm pointing to those races and saying, now that we get to have Lasix in a stakes race, Camp Hope is going to run back to where he has, which puts him at the level with these horses. Uh, to me, the price is a little bit short, six to one. Um, if this, you know, if Camp Hope were 15 to one, something like that, probably would have ended up on the ticket because I can make a case at, at a 10 plus to one number that Camp Hope makes sense when you point back to those Lasix races. And Camp Hope is a, uh, I learned about this a while ago, it's a great spot for, for kids and teens impacted by domestic violence and walking out thoroughbred zones. Uh, good people there walking out thoroughbreds, the owners as well. So uh, good, feel good story. Just, you know, for betting purposes, we're not going to use the horse. But we're going to move on to the penultimate leg of the late pick five at Fairgrounds on Saturday, February 17th, race 13. The Rachel Alexandra Stakes, grade two, seven, three-year-old fillies going a mile and a 16th. And fun fact for you, Mike, I talked about this race being important for the Oaks. 10 of the last 27 Kentucky Oaks winners were in this race at one point, including last year's winner, Pretty Mischievous, who became your champion three-year-old Philly. Obviously, she can't be in this one, so where'd you go on top? Question for you. What is the Cox try pay here? I don't know. And, <laughs> I don't want to think about that. <laughs> should Vivi's dream be the favorite? Ooh, uh, well... Mm, because the buyers say yes, I understand, but 
IRAs are, are, are always kind of the most commonly bet number, but yeah, that, that last race for her, the, the rags to riches, one to nine, was it the slop or was she just actually not that good? Well, you look at who she beat too. Like in the Alcibiades, she beat Allie's Beach, lost to Candied. Okay. All right. You're like, you're like yeah, this, this, the horses that she's beaten haven't exactly been world killers coming back either. So, yeah. Um, to me, there's a lot of questions around BV's dream. I didn't use this horse anywhere. I'm going to try and try and beat it. I think the three Brad Coxes are the three horses you got to look at here. Um, and so I went with the the two that had the um, I went with the the horse on top is to the outside here, West Omaha. Um, I thought this horse looked phenomenal last time, like absolutely phenomenal. Uh, didn't ever really have to put it in gear for size in the Silver Bullet Day. Was able to run right by perfect shot. Uh, I, I love the post here for West Omaha. A lot of times I don't want to be on the outside, but this is a horse that has tactical speed. I think size is just going to be able to sit whatever trip he wants with West Omaha and be able to pounce at the right time. Uh, shocked it's nine to two. Like I, I thought she should probably be the favorite in this race. Um, but here yeah. we are. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what the actual off odds are. I mean, I'm guessing it's going to be more five to two, three to one range, but uh, I'll put West Omaha on top. Same for me, yeah. This she was my top pick two back when she lost, but she was completely up against it pace wise. Alpine Princess, who I'm not using, was in that race, and the only time she's ever gone gate to wire was <laughs> in the was the tenacious, untappable. Untappable, yeah. Up. The untappable stakes, and I, I remember I West Omaha was one of my best bets that day. I was very high on her, and then I watched Alpine Princess go right out to an easy lead, and I went, "Son of a bitch!" I didn't know exactly. <laughs> What was going to happen? But West Omaha's figures, every at least from a time form perspective, every single one of them has gotten better, gotten better. And five lengths, you're right. She won the last race by five lengths. Could have been by 10 if size ever pushed her. I think that her buyer came back lower than it should have been. Um, I think this is, yeah, Cox and Saez at money and at nine to two, like Carl Amrod saying, like, come on, let's go. Yeah, yeah, pretty easy for me. I, I used two of the three. I used the two bigger prices. I didn't use Alpine Princess either. I went to the rail here with Tarifa. Uh, Pratt takes them out. I thought that last race was really good. Um, it was field of seven. The horse breaks from the seven post, able to stalk to the outside and then make a nice move and won rather easily in the stretch and ends up winning by three quarters of a length. But Deborah really looked like she was going to be a loser that day. I don't mind the inside post draw here. Uh, we saw her break from the three of 12 to break the maiden. That wasn't exactly an easy spot there either. Would have liked her to run better in that $100,000 allowance a second out, but I think she was a little too close to a hot pace going a mile there. I think she sits a nice trip here. This is another one that could just be able to sit right behind the speed. And I, I think you're going to have both uh, Pinnock and uh, Alpine Princess go, which is going to set it up for some horses that want to come from just off it. And I, I trust Pratt more than anybody to be able to get a good, great ground-saving trip. So for me, I'm going to go inside and outside here. Give me the one and the seven, <laughs> the two bigger prices for the Brad Cox Farm. Uh, I know that, Aaron, you brought up the two Pinnock, and I didn't, neither of us used her. That's it, the time of he recorded the preview, this Panic was Aaron's top pick. And he's like, I really think she could go gaze to wire. And yeah, she's coming out four and a half, five and a half furlong sprints. The breeding says she's probably, I don't know if she's going to like a mile on the 16th, but if she gets loose and gets comfortable, she very well could make it work. Um, but right after he made the pick, the PR came out. And in the PR, they interviewed the trainer, Gary Shuri, said, I don't want to see her on the lead. And I thought, well, no. if you were betting her to go get to wire, that's not what you want. Now, it's trainer speak. And also, like, Jareth Love, very, very talented jockey. He's going to play the break. If she breaks sharp, he would be absolutely stupid to not just let her go. And I, the, he's not a stupid jockey. I would expect that she ends up going there. Um, for me, Tarifa, I actually I'll respectfully disagree with you. I thought that her last race was 
really bad for being a three to five favorite and a non-winners of two allowance. Like she won. Aaron and I both had her as a best bet that day. And we both thought at one point in the middle of the stretch that we were going to just rip up that ticket. She got the job done. I think farther down the line, she is a talented enough filly that she'll get her head straightened out. I just don't know if she's there yet. So I'm going to try and take a shot, but she is the one that I'm worried about the most in terms of the horses I didn't use. Uh, my second pick, I, I went a little chalky here. So I'm, I went with the four intricate for my second choice. It's Tyler Gaffleon, Brendan Walsh. You know, that's like catnip for me in these races. I'm like, mm, yes, yes give me that. I want to play that sequence here. But, you know, she showed really steady progression at age two, which culminated in winning the grade two goldenrod, which I thought was a very impressive victory there. Undefeated in two starts at the distance, both on a fast track and uh, both times on a fast track. So I thought that was also very impressive. I don't know who she really beat in the goldenrod, but she beat him by five and a quarter, and she looked damn good doing it. So uh, I'm going to use her here. I think that out of this race, this one to me might have the most upside for the Kentucky Oaks because it's her first start at age three, and she's a gun runner, and you know that as the year progresses, she's going to get better and better. So I used her, but that three-to-one price is... I don't love it. But again, we both thought West Omaha would be favored. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I, the price is what got me. If I wasn't going to use a Brad Cox horse, it would be the four. Um, so did have this one in fourth year. But I, I just I don't love this first off a layoff. And it, especially in this spot against this field. Like I, I, It feels like this is significantly better what, than what she has run against in the past. And you're getting a price mm-hmm. that's not great first off a layoff. Two or three starts down the line, I think she has a huge upside. I just don't think that upside is this Saturday, especially at four to one or three to one. I'm so, sorry. Th- and that's fair. Um, it, it, yeah, first off, the layoff two against these horses that have been running regularly at fairgrounds like our top pick West Omaha. <sighs> OK, so I wasn't there for the funeral. So I'm when she lost at one to nine. So I'm going to play Vivi's dream in here. And if she beats if she doesn't win, I'm OK with that. But I am scared of her because I'm I'm going to say that she lost at Churchill Downs because of the slop i'm gonna say the rags to riches was due to the slop and she she was farther back than she usually is in her races and her route races so i'm gonna play her her fast dirt races when she won the pocahontas when she almost won the grade one alcibiades uh those are the races that i'm looking at and going if she can replicate those i think she's going to be right there with a chance it's also you know we just saw mcpeak last week or a couple weeks ago just completely clean house at oakland park so is this the weekend when McPeak is red hot or is this the weekend when McPeak is, you know, not he, 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 ice cold? Like he, he's either red hot or ice cold in these situations. I'm hoping Vivi's dream for the purposes of my ticket gets there, but uh, this is more of a defensive use than anything, Mike. Yeah, I mean, this horse is one at a dollar thirty-eight to one and a dollar twenty to one, and lost at nineteen cents on the dollar, thirty-three cents on the dollar. I wasn't there for the <laughs> funeral. I'm hoping either, to get a new wedding. Either funeral. This, this horse has been a favorite five times. Only has two wins. One of them's in the maiden start. Uh, just consistently gets overbet, and uh, yeah, not interested in, in a McPeak that gets overbet as a favorite in a stakes race. When I think there's like legitimately, I'm gonna go with five. I don't think. Pinnock is that good. So five other horses that I think could win the race. I think Pennick is, with, with all due respect to Aaron for, for his handicapping prowess, I think Pennick is here. He's going to find out this is this was too much. Then they go to Turfway, player in the Bourbonetto. So I think with her synthetic form, with her success, the fact that she beat off-turf horses in the slop at fairgrounds, I think that's the time you really try. But also buy Hardspun. Like, what Hardspun doesn't love the synthetic surface? I haven't seen one yet. Well, Hardspun's also love the slop. I think that was a really favorable spot last time out. And so if it rains on Saturday, yeah, okay, maybe you can start to make a case there because this one could get loose up front and it love the slop and everyone else has to deal with it. And that's a problem. 
Um, but you know, we're here handicapping on Thursday. There's not supposed to be rain in the area. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna go ahead and try and say, okay, yeah, it's just gonna pour. It's gonna be a sloppy track, and then I'm interested <laughs> in the two because that's kind of what would need to happen here to get me on board. Um, I, I do. I I think West Oman and Intricate are going to be the two best horses long term in this field. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see if they're going to be the two best on Saturday, and that's one of the reasons I left Intricate off just because they're coming off that layoff. And, and Kyra Ramrod's doing kind of what you are with adding in Alpine Princess. Is, is I'll take three cocks and feel pretty good about my chances moving out. He does very damn well in this this race specifically. The Brad Cox can do very well, but we also saw Brendan Walsh and Tyler Gaffleone beat him last year. So maybe Intricate gets the job done. But read, read it's that back. Time. Go ahead. Read that back again and just stop after the trainer's name. No, I, I, that's why I kept going. <laughs> we got, what was it, Papa Dude and I on uh, last Saturday, we were doing Dudes Who Bet. Yeah, the Saturday before the Super Bowl, we did Dudes Who Bet Daily together because um, Aaron was on vacation. And we got to talking about uh, Mardi Gras, which was two days ago. And I was like, oh, I, I was actually in St. Louis for Mardi Gras one year. And we talked about it a little bit. And we really, as far, I mean, even compared to you and I on this show, which were not really that um, salacious. We got demonetized for something that we said on there. So now I'm trying to be more careful about what we say. I still don't understand how we got demonetized for that, but I will yeah. I'll tell you this much. Next year, Super Bowl, do you know where it is? St. Louis. New Orleans. During Mardi Gras. Oh, Gr- I should have guessed that. New Orleans during Mardi Gras. As someone who had their bachelor party in New Orleans for a Super Bowl during Mardi Gras, let me tell you, it is everything you are thinking. <laughs> I don't know why I said I said St. Louis because on my brain. St. Louis didn't have a football team. Why the hell would they have the Super Bowl there? Like, well, you lost, we took the Rams away from you and moved them to a palace where we can have our own TV studio in Los Angeles. So, as consolation, we'll give you the Super yeah. Bowl. Even though you won't build a new stadium for your football team, we'll hold it in your, your shitty old one. Go ahead. <laughs> the, yeah. Anyways, all right. I'm not going to play the soundbite, but it's time for the main event, the fifth and final leg of the Late Pick Five Saturday, February 17th at Fairgrounds. Race 14, the grade two Risen Star Stakes. And right now we have a full field of 12 three-year-olds. Uh, all of them Colts. Hey, congratulations. Still having your balls intact. What did I just say? Anyways, they're going to be going a mile and eighth on the dirt. And a fun fact for you about this one, last year's Risen Star put three horses in the Derby. The trifecta from this race last year went into the Kentucky Derby. Two of those three horses hit the Derby trifecta behind Mage, who was your top pick in there. So, also a very key race for the Kentucky Derby. It's very important. Where'd you go on top? Oh man, I wish we had Angel of Empire in here. Um, wow. <laughs> that would be fun. Uh, I thought this was a very difficult race. I, I went through this probably five or six times um, and had a different winner almost every single time that I, I went through it. I respect the heck out of Track Phantom. I'm going to try and beat Track Phantom. Um, I, I just think that this is the right spot to go against him here. The early pace in this race is going to be very interesting. Hall of Fame seems to have the most early speed. Track Phantom also wants to be forwardly placed. Both Steve Asmussen horses. Um, so we'll see what the instructions are there. You've got Rosario and Santana up uh, individually. So we'll see if they decide to talk strategy going into the race or if they just kind of let it all, all hang out and see what happens here. I'm going to go to the eight horse catching freedom on top. Um, Brad Ooh. Cox, Luis Saez, uh, Constitution. I thought it was really interesting here that Saez decided to take this mount. Um, and that it's not Florent Giroux, it's not someone like that. And Saez, who does not have a derby horse yet, is on a Brad Cox horse, who I think could very well end up being his derby horse. And that's the reason you are seeing him ride and not flow here in this spot. So I, I like what Catching Freedom has done from taking a step forward the last couple races. If you go back, breaks the maiden pretty easily, runs pretty good in $100,000. Um, and 
one X allowance against Parchment Party, and then one of the best three year olds in training, First World War, then comes back into uh, into the, the Smarty Jones, able to get the win there by open lengths. Now switching over here and jumping in the Risen Star. I like the way the pace sets up for catching freedom. I think that the distance sets up well for catching freedom. Source is well bred. It's purchased by owners who I respect. Brad Cox, Luis Saez. To me, it's all systems go, and I'm getting five to one. So I'll take the eight catching freedom on top. Not my top pick. I respect you uh, putting this horse on top. So let's. You, we've talked about Angel of Empire, who, by the way, just had his first work since uh, last summer, um, last week. So he's slowly gearing up for a, a nice spring-summer campaign, hopefully. Last year, Angel of Empire... Three-year-old debut, Smarty Jones Stakes at Oakland Park. Got second, but ran a good second. Then came to the Risen Star, where he was ridden by Luis Saez. And he went out there and put on a show, got the win, and then further went on to uh, win the uh, Arkansas Derby after that. So all that to say, Brett Cox has done this before. We literally have seen this script before. Saez and Cox, a superb connection here. And if you watch the Smarty Jones victory last out, this horse kind of just screwing around in this, the, the turn. And all of a sudden, when it was like, you need to go, he went, oh, okay, shit. And he, like, took off. And he got the win and, and passed all those horses. And a mile to Oaklawn, if you're not aware, I know you are, Mike, but the listeners, if you're not aware, it's a short stretch. They stop at the, the, the finish line. They stop saying, the finish line is the 16th pole there. So he was able to get up in time there. And now you're giving him an extra furlong. I'm hoping that people will look at his workouts and the fact that he's not a good workout horse. And Cox is the first one to tell you that. I'm hoping that scares people off a little bit. But if it's not for just an absolutely horrible ride slash trip two races back, He's three for three in here, and he's shorter than five to one. So I feel like we're getting a, a little bit of value on here at five to one with size and Cox. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Well put. Uh, there was trip trouble two back. This is a horse that just, it seems like everything's pointing in the right direction. And a lot of times when you're looking for these three-year-olds, you have to find the horses that are, that are going in the proper trajectory. Not necessarily have already been there, already done it like the 11-track Phantom, but horses that seem like they are sitting on big races. And to me, the eight catching freedom is one of those. Another one is the seven Hall of Fame. This is the Asterson I'm going to use. I, look, the last race was phenomenal. I, I mean, it was, this horse looked, looked dominant. It was a maiden special weight of $60,000. I get it. it the huge class jump here. I understand that Sia, or Rosario is staying on track Phantom. You know what? I get why he is. Like, th- this is upside versus versus currency, right? Like, track Phantom is currently the better horse. Hall of Fame has way more upside in my mind. Um, and so because of that, I'm going to land on the number seven Hall of Fame, who, who should be forwardly placed as well in this spot. And I, I think has a shot at taking this field gate to wire if no one else aggressively presses. And like the horses that could aggressively press are Cardinal, who look, uh, change of command didn't look very good last time. So we're not <laughs> going to talk too much about Cardinal here. And track fan who was trained by the same trainer. So I, I don't think you're going to see that, that overly hot pace early and anyone trying to cook up uh hall of fame what do you make of uh I, i've seen this from malathat 74 and, and i'm not calling you out any specific reason malathat but uh has mentioned this before hall of fame beat the maidens that were at a sixty thousand dollar purse when there are spots like oaklawn which are triple digit uh aqueduct before it turns the winter meet they're ninety eighty thousand dollars i mean it fairgrounds is a lot closer to santa anita than it is the big track do you put any stock into that no, because I think the plan was to run here. I think the plan was to stay at fairgrounds, and and they ran on uh, the undercard that day. Um, uh, they ran on the LeCompte undercard that day, where Track Phantom won. And so you have other Asterson horses in the barn. Other and if Hall of Fame runs well, this Mike is my guess the circuit that they were always targeting that they wanted to be here instead of Oaklawn. And so you you take a little bit less 
of a uh, of a, a payout on the maiden special weight to get the horse experience over the track. And there's also uh, Asmussen was one of the first ones to do this, and, and Brad Cox as well. But fairgrounds not only are they the earlier preps, but they're the longer preps. Louisiana Derby is the only one that's close to a mile and a quarter for horses. The Risen Star is the only mile and an eighth second stage prep race right before you get to or penultimate prep we could call it before the big one there so uh, horses that, that you think really need distance and we're going to talk about a couple more in here you kind of target fairgrounds for that like that's why and we'll talk about it in a second anyways i went against hall of fame just because even though he got a higher buyer than track phantom for the same distance on lecomp stakes day this is the toughest derby prep of the entire the uh, whole year that they've had I don't know that you'll see a tougher derby prep until the actual Kentucky Derby. This is not an insignificant class like for him. And I think he's got tons of talent, but this is a very difficult spot for him to be making uh, his first start against winners. When you have a horse like Track Phantom, who I'm going to make my top pick in here, who's just so unbelievably consistent, uh, who won the LeCompte with an easy front running ride, but then the gun runner, he had a hot contested early pace that he still had to overcome. And the fact that he's three for three in two turn races is while I'll play him, but fully respect if you want to try and beat him here. And if you want to use Hall of Fame, uh, especially if Hall of Fame wins, or if he gets like a good second, you're never getting six to one on the morning line with him again. Yeah. Hey, Mal, if I just bring this back up, 120K and the 60K, I don't think there's a big difference in the maiden special weights, especially on an undercard on LeCompte Day versus a Churchill Day. Like To me, they're, it's kind of six to one, half a dozen the other. It's not twice as hard to win 120K as it is a 60K. That's just the purse structure of the certain tracks. So I, I don't look too much into that. Yeah, look, Track Phantom, he's good. Is he great? Like that's kind of what we're gonna learn now. Is like, can he yeah. take the step forward? Is is this because Track Phantom has run now three races, all with very similar numbers, none of which are anywhere near good enough to win a Kentucky Derby, and most won't win the major Kentucky Derby preps. And so we've got to see is Track Phantom gonna take that step forward at seven to two? I'm not willing to find out. Uh fully fully respect that. Uh he kind of reminds me of a lesser epicenter in the fact that he seems to push button, but epicenter had like that when he pushed the button, it was like hold, like you'd like grab like you're on a roller coaster, you grab the arms, you're like, holy shit, we're going for a fun ride here with him. Um <laughs> haven't seen that from Track Phantom, but maybe we could soon. Even Epicenter was taking steps forward though. It wasn't like it, that to me was like the epicenter thing. He just kept getting better. What was so impressive about Epicenter is he would just improve. 5% every single race, every single yeah. race, you just get a little better, a little better, a little better, a little better all the way through the, the Preakness. Right. And like, that was just wildly impressive is that you just keep getting a little bit better. A lot of these horses, they'll make a jump and then they'll just kind of sit there or they'll be able to make a couple jumps, but like rarely is it that, that just crescendo, the build to the crescendo, at least. Chris says he could be upset. could be risk it wrong. Risk it <laughs> still hasn't won a second race as far as I'm aware. Track Phantom's won two stakes, so get that get that out of your mouth. I hate that right now. Um, second up for me was Catching Freedom. The other horse I used, I went three deep. I went with the four Sierra Leone, and I really, like, when no. I saw the card, I was like, listen, this Chad Brown's MO with his really great dirt horses like Good Magic is that first time out, they're not quite ready off of that long layoff, but second time out, when they're at the bluegrass, you look at Good Magic, you look at Zandon, it's like, that's... That's where you want to play them at, right? And I was like, all right, I'm going to pass on Sierra Leone, and I'm going to bet him in the bluegrass because I think that's where he's going to win. And then I listened to Aaron. He's like, just watch his replays again. Like, okay, that debut race, 
all kinds of hidden trouble bottled up, boxed up, had to tap on the brakes halfway through the turn, still won comfortably going away. In the Remsen, he's behind in last by 12 lengths, going a mile and an eighth, first time facing winners. When he got called upon, he circled the entire field aside from Doorknock in the far turn with one huge sweeping move. Shortly after he straightened out, took the lead, but then he got content. And was it maybe that he got a little lazy? He was looking around. I also noticed Jose Ortiz had used up all of his whip strikes that Hissa allows him to use and was handwriting him the whole stretch, whereas Doorknock and Luis Saez, they still got the, I think it was Saez, still got whips in, and that's partially why he's able to come back. So I like that about him. I also like that Chad Brown's now going to put some small cup blinkers on him here and see if that helps. It can help a horse. It can hurt a horse. We've seen it happen both ways, but I'm hoping that it helps him. And I'm telling like watching this horse's turn of foot, Holy shit, this horse is, is so, so talented at that. I couldn't leave him off of here. Yeah, I I I think it's a very there's there's a couple of reasons why it's really easy for me to leave him off. And I, I respect it. Like I look, I understand why people want to play Sierra Leone. Though your every your analysis is hundred percent accurate. But Chad Brown with a dead closer on the dirt, no thanks. That's my first issue, especially four to one. The second one is why is Gaff Leone riding this horse if this is a very good horse? The stakes race right. at Gulfstream Park the exact same day is $150,000. Why isn't one of the Ortiz brothers on this horse? That's a good question. I mean, because that, that's question. what Chad Brown is going to go for if he can find. Like, he's not using Gaffleone if he thinks this is a derby horse. And the Ortizes, who have ridden before, by the way, Jose Ortiz rode him last time yeah. out, would follow him here if he thought this was a derby horse. So to me, it's, it's like, it, it, it's one thing when there's, a million and a half worth of purses at Gulfstream Park. And you're like, well, we're going to run for all of these and we've got a bunch of horses we want to run, blah, blah. The stakes race at Gulfstream Park is $150,000. Older Philly Sprint, I think it is. Um, 150K. Yeah, older Philly it's, Sprint. Yeah, mile and a 16th. Yeah, 16th. but it's, it's yeah. really nothing like this at all. Yeah. So it doesn't make any sense to me why you don't call up one of the Ortizes if this is a legit horse who's ready to roll. Maybe Chad blames Jose for what happened last time. I don't know. Maybe maybe he knows that Jose is committed to Locked, who's supposed to be returning in the Fountain of Youth. No, I don't. This is a good question, and I don't I don't have an answer. I will just counter. Tyler Gaffleon won this race with War of Will, so he can win this race. I'm not knocking T Gaff. I'm questioning why it's T Gaff. That is that's my that that's my thing because it just it's sure. not. Chad Brown's guy in these type of spots. He's he usually uses one of the Ortiz brothers if the horse is that good. Um, is it is it an E5 horse? No, it's it's no. a Coolmore horse that they by the way, Coolmore has this horse that they paid two and a half million dollars for, and they also have Hall of Fame who they paid like one and a half million dollars for. So there's four million dollars worth of Coolmore horse flesh in this race alone. <laughs> yeah. And I, I the Pratt thing makes sense too. Um it's interesting the Pratt's on the nine for Pletcher, but I mean again, Pletcher could have asked him first and Pletcher rides or Pratt rides for both Pletcher and Brown. So to me that one's not as as suspicious as one of the Ortiz brothers not flying in for this race, which is the purse alone for this one is two hundred fifty thousand dollars more. Plus there's a bunch of stakes races they could have ridden in here. So just a, a little bit surprised to me, that's all. Um you know what? Give me the three horse. One that we both know and well, both know and love, Anna Marie uh here. Uh, I'm gonna play this one in third, use it on the ticket. God, you better be good. Because um, <laughs> <laughs> nobody else is good on our team. Please, uh, God, let you be good. <laughs> kind of sucks outside of this one. Um, and we don't know about this one. Uh, but look, the last race I thought was really impressive in the, uh, the Kentucky Jockey Club. 
uh, Whitworth Beckman, not someone who gets bet off the board. Uh, only 102 starts last time. Last year as a trainer was 13%, 0 for 9 so far this year, but was 8 to 1 in that spot, which I thought was interesting. Um, I thought the horse ran really well, was able to swing was able to go six wide and still be able to pass everybody for the win in a short stretch there at Churchill. Going to have a longer stretch to work with. Shouldn't have any issue with the distance here. Um, and I, this is this to me is one of those, like, if it collapses, I think Anna Marie is going to be one of the horses that I think has to be at least considered in that spot. Yeah, uh, listen, I'd love it if he wins this spot for fantasy purposes. I'm, I, I was willing to take a pass on him here just because it has been a bit since we've seen him run, uh, what, two and a half months thereabouts. But uh, the 92 buyer he got for winning the Kentucky Jockey Club was fifth highest, I think, among all two-year-olds. And that's including Fierceness's uh, absolutely gigantic juvenile number. Um, and the trainer, Whit Beckman, is uh, he might not be a name that a lot of people recognize, but he was a Todd Pletcher assistant for several years. He was Chad Brown's assistant at Keeneland when Chad Brown had a full-time Keeneland barn. Whit Beckman was the one in charge. So when the horses, when it was a Keeneland meet time, all the horses for Chad Brown that went out there and were doing great, Beckman was the one in charge of all those. So he is no stranger to the big spotlight. He's no stranger to super talented horses. Um, I think this horse is like, if you look at the Kentucky Derby, that will be his third start of his three-year-old season. I think he set up perfectly for that, hopefully, as long as he progresses. But off the layoff, with Bayerano aboard, and I'm not trying to knock Bayerano, but this just feels like this is a super tough spot for him to debut as a three-year-old and that he will continue to progress, hopefully, down the Derby Trail. I think he's going to debut, win, and then progress to the Kentucky Derby winner. No, I don't actually I mean, think that. That would be nice. Your lips to God's yeah. ears. Why not? <laughs> uh, fourth horse I'm going to use here. I'm going to use the McPeak at a price. So not as big of a price as I would want, but still a price here. Uh, eight to one here for Real Men Violin. I was playing the guitar before the show. You got to get a string <laughs> instrument love in here. Uh, look, I thought the Kentucky Jack Club was a good race. And if it is, and I got the top two finishers in here, I'll take it. I also think the price is right here, sitting at eight to one. One of the more experienced horses in the field has also beaten Track Phantom. One of the few horses that can say that is on his resume. Um, so I'll take eight to one on, on the six real men, real men violin for McPeak, who shockingly is 12, 16% off the layoff. Like pretty good numbers off the layoff if you're going to play something. Uh, yeah, there's the fans. The, the, the Shadi and Dave, the defending fantasy league champs, they drafted real men violin. Uh, he, he, listen, he, he's never missed the board in six starts. I think he's a great underneath horse. I don't, I, he feels like the one is like he'll get ignored. You might get double digit odds on him and then like play him second, third. This is the horse that sneaks up and gets you. Um, Hoping he doesn't win because I don't want these kids winning. No, well, some offense intended, but I don't want them winning uh, in that one. Uh, go ahead. We, went, we went over all your horses, right? Yes, we did. Okay, so we got two questions in the chat I want to talk about. First off, uh, do you believe B Jersey is going to go from the 12th post? Uh, well, I think, yeah, I, I could, I absolutely think he could go. Um, I, the 12th post is a little concerning, and but he's a one start winner <laughs> out of a six furlong maiden special weight, and he's by B Jersey. He'll go. I don't know how far down the backstretch he'll go before he kind of falls apart, but I think he goes. Yeah, I, I we'll see if I I I don't think he makes the front or is a pace pressure horse because of the twelve post. And there's enough horses that want to be forwardly placed. I think it's going to be tough for him to get all the way to the lead and press press the early pace. I think B Dancer is going to be a very good turf sprinter one day. See the stars mm -hmm. on the bottom. B Jersey showing some speed, able to pass horses. So uh, for me, the B B Dancer is a horse to keep an eye on a little bit later. Other question: If you're taking a bomb. 
Are you using the one or the two to hit the board? I'm glad you, I was going to bring this up. So I'm glad when you said I got two questions, I was like, I know he's going to go to that one. This is a great <laughs> one from David uh, Barista. Um, I'm going to go with the one actually uh, here with uh, is Keith DeSormo and Jimmy Graham. And uh, this horse really didn't have a shot in hell in the LeComp. It was a six horse field and he was last by like a country mile the whole way. He's not normally that far back. And in this big field, I think he'll be more inclined to stay in contact. Uh, and again, with those connections, yeah, I, I would say the one. You look at the breeding, too. Tate Charge, you have a Tiz now, Mayor. Molinade should be within the grasp. It feels like Tizzy Indy, or I'm sorry, it feels like the Sormo has one of these every single season now, where yep. if it doesn't win, it sure makes you crap your pants because you don't have it in the, the multi-races yep. and turning for home, that horse is right there. I would. I agree with you. I think Tizzy Indy's the horse. I think they're showing a lot of confidence running back after how bad that was, and that was almost in the too bad to believe bucket of races, uh, where just when you're 17 lengths back in a six horse field, game over. It's just good night, wrap it up. Let's see what happens next time. Um, so for me, it would be the one as well. I think it's a good sign that Graham rides back. I think it's a good sign that Desormo sends him back here into uh, into the next prep. Yeah, Call Me Midnight is the horse to beat uh, Epicenter in the low comp. Thanks for bringing that up again. And then last year, Confidence Game, who's Damn, is that half to Zenyatta, I think? Uh, but um, also Confidence Game exited. He was at uh, Fairgrounds, didn't do well, and then he went and won the Rebel Stakes at Oakland Park in a big upset. So, yeah, you're right. DeSormo's got one of these every year, and the, I hope it's not this one because we really need we really need the yeah. Honor Marie to win. <laughs> but if you're, if you're playing tries, if you're playing supers, I, I don't hate the idea of using Tizzy Indy underneath in the third and fourth spots and trying to absolutely blow it up. I mean, to me, of, of all the double-digit prices, that's probably the most likely to hit the board. Yeah, abs- yeah, of all those big prices that he was asking about between the one and the two, I am with you on that one. That's going to do it for this episode of the Magic Mike Show. Thanks for joining us to talk Risen Star Stakes, late pick five, Saturday, February 17th. We'll give out our tickets one last time for the audio listeners. We'll read them out for you. I'll start. I'm going to go one three five with one three with two ten eleven with four six seven with four eight eleven for $81, Mr. Samich. Play a 50 cent ticket as well. Give me three five seven with three six with two ten eleven with one seven with three six seven eight seventy two bucks for 50 cents. Over racingnews.com, I did mention it. The Raisin Star betting Bible is available for pre sale. It should be fully done and out Friday morning uh, when you're listening to this. So make sure you go check that out. If you're a premium subscriber to the premium picks, to the Samo Bombs, the Rockets, anything like that, you get all of the Bibles included for free. It's Derby season. We're going to have a ton of these leading up to and through the Triple Crown. So this is a great time to be a premium subscriber. Go to racingnews.com. Figure out what's the best plan for you. Uh, Blinkers Off was already this morning. They covered the Risen Star, the Mineshaft, the Rachel Alexandra, and the Sunland Derby on Sunday. They moved it up a month. Uh, I don't know why, but hey, it's, it's, it's a nice little Sunday surprise. So go check that out. And then, of course, previews for every race, every track, or picks for every race, every track, every day across the country at racingdudes.com. I know we got a guy here, Mike. Any final words for you? Uh, I like a college basketball game under tonight. Cal State Northridge against Cal State Bakersfield total sitting at 143 and a half. I think it's a, uh, the total is about five to six points too high because they're factoring in Bakersfield's non-conference games. Uh, If you look at the non-conference schedule, a lot of, a lot of big numbers, but once they get in conference, they've only gone over this total twice in 13 games. And one of those two was overtime against the highest scoring team in the conference. I'll take the under 130, 143 and a half Northridge Bakersfield. 
I know Papa Dude's a big fan of CSUN, uh, and you got the Matadors versus the Roadrunners, so a fun little mascot matchup as well. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. Really appreciate you taking your time out to be with us. We'll be back, possibly, I think we'll be back Monday to talk about what happened at Fairgrounds. Might not be a long show, but we'll at least be back for that one. So, until then, I'm Magic. And I'm Mike. Good luck this week, everybody. The Magic Mike Show, where you hear the experts speak. The Magic Mike Show, tune into the show every week. The Magic Mike Show, you can trust the show is the bomb because it's being brought to you by RacingDudes.com.